good morning or afternoon or whenever you happen to be listening to this. Have a great day. Welcome to Generation Tech. I'm Todd Brinker, and I am joined, as always, by my dad, Jack. How you doing today, Pop? I'm doing great. And you? Likewise. Doing okay. Doing okay. Yes. We're having a, a cold snap here on the West Coast. By cold, I mean it's only getting into the to the 80s. And uh, but it means we're having cool evenings, which I enjoy because I open up the windows and stuff. And when you live in a desert environment, um, you know. Well, I'm just being <laughs> real thankful that that uh, uh, hurricane or tropical uh, depression or whatever it's called, tropical storm, missed us to the west, which is kind of unusual when they come up out of the Gulf. Uh, but it went through Tennessee, and there's a lot of people over there that got flooded, and uh, of course you heard on the news all the damage out of New York and north from there. I got a friend up. Yeah, from the hurricane. Yeah, well, it was kind of one of those things where they had a, 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 a kind of a nor'easter rain front coming in, a low coming in from the west of the east coast, and and then the hurricane coming from the east of the east coast, and and you're kind of getting trapped in the middle for a lot of people. <laughs> A lot of rain, but if you look at the uh, the satellite pictures, it's it's uh, it's a very wet place. Which, quite honestly, we on this coast we're going. Boy, could we use some of that? They should, you know, pump some of that into uh, train cars and ship it out this way. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, that must be a joy to have things cool and down out there in California. Yeah, yeah. Well, my favorite time out here has always been autumn, so that's slowly creeping up on us. But we don't usually see that till the end of September, beginning of October. So I suspect we're going to see some some hot days again before the summer's done. Yeah. You know, that's the way it goes. Yeah. That's just the way it goes. So um, on the tech front, looks like the uh, Chevy Bolt, which is GM's fully electric car has uh, hit a bump in the road. It's shocking. They so got a <laughs> bolt shocking. Well, All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, there's yeah. A, there's, a, there's another uh, thing today that they've expanded the the number of recalls now as mm-hmm. well. So that I thought they were all under recall, under. so how could they expand all? <laughs> well, I, I guess they limited some of them, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's uh, anybody starting to work with new technologies yeah. better have some uh, some risk uh, applications or mm-hmm. uh, controls on what's what's going on. Obviously, they didn't do a very good job in their battery department. Yeah, well, and these battery department, you know, <laughs> the, their batteries are are designed and built by LG Chem, which is a division of uh, LG electric in in uh in korea they make lg televisions and such uh in different divisions and uh and clearly either the batteries themselves or the controllers for the batteries are having issues they're saying that uh until you get it into the uh um, dealership where they can do whatever it is they've got to do and obviously it's more than just a software upgrade um that uh, you should not charge it more than 90% or uh and uh or deplete the battery below 70 miles of remaining range. So I wonder if you go to 90% charge and then drive it only down to 70 if 70 is the new zero, where how far can you actually drive this car? Yeah, I, 
I don't mm-hmm. know. You know, uh, speak since it is a heat issue, fire risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me that on my uh, motorhome, which I no longer own. Uh, Congratulations. That, that, well, thank you. Anyway, that, that it had a, uh, a temperature pad that sat between the uh, the cells or the mm-hmm. batteries, actually, as part of the control system, so that it had a feedback mechanism. So right. The batteries. I mean, because you know, I could have been out in the desert when it was suddenly put, you know, charging at max rate for whatever reason because I depleted them somehow, and. Uh, and you go and you stop and you plug in and suddenly the charger comes on and the batteries get hot and it's already 120 degrees out or whatever. You know? Yeah. So you, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure they've got temperature sensors, but uh, you know, if you plug it in, you know, in, in your driveway overnight, you're not out there paying attention to it. And so, but, but, the, but the controls are designed, or that temperature thing should be such that yeah. you could automatically lower the the, the rate. Right. Current that's going into the battery, if you're charging or how it's discharging, you cut something off. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It it should be smart controls, and if they didn't do that, then that's just a poor design from the get go. Um, Because fire fire can just do too much damage, you know. Right. (laughs) Well, and just for clarification too, you did not have an electric RV in that it ran on a diesel motor, but that it uh, had a uh, battery set up for, for running off the grid. So you could run your refrigerator and, and such. You could all, In fact, you, had, you could run it off of uh, off the diesel or off a generator. You had multiple ways to provide power within your vehicle, right? Right. Uh, that, that was the beauty of the RV is it had options. Uh, you wouldn't believe that it exists. Uh, it was mm-hmm. so self-sustaining. Uh, and, and even when you're being self-sustained, there were multiple energy sources. Right. Uh, you know, so, and, and a lot of people that, that I even had considered it put, put solar cells on the roof, you know. Mm-hmm. But I thought the thing was getting so complicated already that I just didn't want to risk that. And I didn't do that much, you know, desert camping where that was a right. necessary option. Yeah, it wasn't something you had to use, but you could if you wanted to. But, but you know... Just any time the basic engine's running, you're going down the road. You're capable of charging, just like charging car batteries. But yep. then in addition, you usually have a, a, a separate independent generator, which I had in that motorhome. Uh, also mm-hmm. had uh, uh, stuff uh, not, uh, in terms of fuel energy sources. There was a diesel because it was a diesel vehicle. But there was also a propane, so my refrigerator could run off of that. Uh without electricity at all uh i mean other than controls it did have battery power you know, had to have a battery right but anyway this just uh it was, it, it was a very comfortable feeling all the 10 11 years that we were a full-time rv and the man uh just seemed like nothing could could get Get in the way of you having comfort. Yeah, that, that, that's right. Well, one time I was in a campground, and the campground power went out. And there were people out wandering around and said, what's the problem? Yeah, electricity went out. I didn't even know it. You know, I have, I had an inverter that made, made uh, electricity. I'm sitting there watching TV, and the guy's wondering, how's he doing that? Yeah. <laughs> my, my TV may have blinked, but I didn't notice it. Yeah, as it switched over to to a different power source, right? 
right. It just kept on going. Yeah. It's just the... Well, it's interesting because, you know, if you had, uh, you, you could use, there's nothing about any of those technologies that say you couldn't set up your house to do the same thing. Oh, yes. In fact, uh, that's uh, an option even today. You know, there's several companies that sell these battery packs that you can mm-hmm. put in your garage. And very often people who buy electric vehicles, uh, especially Teslas, will get their Tesla power packs and hang them on the walls. Yeah, yeah, there used to be Solar City and it's Tesla and it's it's a it's a whole house power pack that that sits on the wall yeah. and, and literally powers your whole house. Yeah, now that power pack is really meant to to uh, take the the uh, current from their solar cells that Tesla right. also sells. Right. They sell roof roof tiles so that you can charge the power packs. Mm-hmm. Anyways, it, you know, I I haven't read any reviews of them, but conceptually it was a wonderful idea because it insulates you from a lot of the uh, things that just happen in this world. Yeah. Yeah, I always liked the idea, and I don't know what the status of the law is, but in California they had made a rule saying that all new homes had to have solar on them. And so I don't know what – but I don't remember what time that was supposed to take place or when that had to be in effect. But, you know, I think it, it, you know that's the time to do it is when you're building your house, just build it in. And uh, and that way you can take a lot of load off the grid because we have problems here during fire season when fires come through they burn out you know lines and shut off whole sections of the you know of the area and then also um, uh, just when it's hot people are running their air conditioners twenty four seven and you know that gets expensive and it puts a huge load on the system. Yeah. Yeah, it's a. You know, we, as technology moves along, we're getting a lot of more uh, important options, especially with the uh, battery technologies that's improving. But obviously, it's not there yet in terms of people's knowledge and, and uh, companies learning how to use it, use mm-hmm. it well and get it all working, keep it working. Out, you know, so reliability is always kind of an issue anytime you introduce new technology. Because right. what you've done is you've introduced, along with that, a bunch of people that are not quite uh, up to speed on the new technologies. You know, mm-hmm. it's, 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 uh, it takes time to get the knowledge base out there to support all these stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, it, it's it's still worth uh, pushing forward and getting there because it's everybody knows it's doable now. It's been proven for enough years that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, people like you driving around in mobile, you know, in an RV, you know, living out of that, that literally have, you know, three three or four different ways to to provide for your creature comforts. Yeah. And and once you do that, you almost say, you know, I really miss kind of having that assurance. Although, actually, I have what I call the, the absolute ultra backup. And that is that I live fairly close to a nuclear power station. So chances of me losing electricity are extremely low. All of our utilities here, electric stuff, is underground, so we don't mm-hmm. have a little power pole running around. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, well, and, and the, unlike California, you're not in a particularly uh, active um, uh, earthquake zone. Right, right. The the biggest uh, danger to that whole thing is, is if for some reason that dam that. Uh, uh, is the cooling system? There's a lake behind it to keep the uh, 
uh, or adjacent to the nuclear power plant that keeps everything under control in terms of thermal. Uh, so that's always, uh, you, you got to look at the whole infrastructure if you want to look at the safety of a nu nuclear station. And, mm -hmm. and the real problem with those in the past, because it needs water, there, there were too many nuclear stations put on the coast, particularly like in California, where it's also an earthquake zone. <laughs> and the, the, therein lies some, some real risk. So that's why they shut them down out there. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and, and Japan's the other one, you know, they're earthquake sure. zone, same, same deal. Yeah, and, so, and then it so and so along with that comes a tsunami then that that wipes out a nuclear power plant. Man, if you got serious. Yeah, yeah. Well, they build their plants along the coastline because they need the water for cooling, and coastline is the area that's that's. Uh, so, you know, in anyway, the tsunami zone, you know, it's, I'm going back to the Chevy Bolt here. I was looking at it, and it the the problem they they do say the problem is defects in the LG Chem cells found inside. So it's not something they can just do a software fix and resolve. And they do not have a replacement pack designed yet that they know will solve the problem. So they're telling people that they have to follow the guidelines of not charging above ninety percent complete and not driving it to more than 70 miles uh, of remaining range until they figure it out, which they don't know when will be. Wow. Can wow. you imagine if you had one of those vehicles, how angry you would be? Now, do you suppose that they're, what they're saying is that LG told them these were the constraints on the battery and they just didn't want to, you know, advertise and sell something with such limited uh, battery capability? So they... <laughs> Yeah, I have no idea if it, if it's GM not following the the constraints LG told them, or if it's uh, an an error in production or an error in engineering where they just don't perform the way that they had expected they would. I don't know. They don't talk about mm -hmm. that. They're not they're not looking to lay blame at this point. At least GM and LG are not pointing fingers. They apparently are working together to solve the issue. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's mud on both their faces at this point. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Well, hopefully they get it solved right away. Yeah, they say they're investigating the manufacturing process at LG and disassembling battery packs. GM has discovered manufacturing defects in certain battery cells produced at LG manufacturing facilities beyond the Ocheng Korea plant. Okay, so apparently it's not just coming out of one plant, but that there's a a design issue. Okay. Apparently Hyundai's Kona EVs are also using those batteries and they are, they too are, uh, looking at recalls. So it's, it's a battery design or battery pack design issue. Did you say Hyundai? Uh, Hyundai's Kona EV. So the Kona is a small, uh, SUV. And they have an EV version of it, an electrical vehicle version of it that they sell. Oh, Kona. I, I yeah, like in Hawaii, Kona. Yeah, Kona. In fact, oh, yeah. uh, okay. a couple years ago when I was on vacation in Hawaii, I was in Kona. And before they had announced the car, we saw one driving around. They were shooting commercials for them in the uh, on the mountainside near the coffee uh, plantation yeah. Yeah, of the Kona. Kona. Yeah, they were shooting commercials for the Kona. And so we saw one there um, about uh, 
three or four months before they had actually announced the vehicle. That's on uh, on uh, Maui, uh, just below uh, Haleakala Crater. No, it's on Hawaii. It's on the, the Kona, island? The Kona Coast is on Hawaii, yes. Well, they got more than one Kona Coast then. That's, that's interesting. No, nah, you're misremembering. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All righty. Kona is the west side of the Big Island. Well, it's... Hmm. All right. Yeah. So, anyway, it's um, it's beautiful. If you've not been to Hawaii, the, uh, the, the west side of the island is a uh, drier side of the island. It's not as lush as, um, the, uh, the western or the eastern sides of the islands of Hawaii. And, and there's, uh, lots of, uh, on the big island, it's, there's lots of, uh, lava fields, um, and lava tubes that you can explore if you're, uh, like hiking. And, uh, uh, and then you get up, up in the mountains where it's cooler, uh, up above the coast, and there are lots of um, coffee plantations because the, excuse me, the volcanic soil and the, you know, if you get at the right, excuse me, right altitude, it, it's just perfect for growing coffee. And that's where the famous Kona coffee comes from, which is one of the most expensive coffees in the world. That's good stuff. It really is. In fact, I, uh, when I was there, uh, Two years ago, three years ago, two years ago, I bought uh, some coffee, and uh, I bought a, several like uh, I they they used to sell half pound bags, but now they're instead of eight ounces, which is a half pound, they're seven ounce bags, of course, um, and I'm sure they sell them for just as much, if not more. But anyway, I had uh, bought a couple bags of that and given them out, and I obviously kept one for myself. I also had forgotten I put one in the freezer, and I found it in the deep freeze. And just finished it uh, about uh, a month ago. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, when I had to go back to drinking coffee, regular coffee, I was like, oh, man, this is terrible. <laughs> I got really spoiled. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm the only one who drinks coffee in my house, and I generally just drink a cup in the morning. Just I have one cup. And so I make it in a single cup baker, and I've got the little uh, thing you can... You know, instead of buying a K cup, you can refill the K cup with your own grounds. Yeah, and yeah, uh, I have those too. yeah, so I was making making my one cup of coffee, so that that half pound lasted me quite a while. And then I switched back to using just the regular coffee that before I thought was pretty good, and I yeah. almost couldn't drink it. <laughs> it was like this yeah. is bad coffee. Uh, well, oh. by the way, uh, while you're mentioning it, I. Uh, I saw an ad on T- Starbucks ad on mm-hmm. TV for they have an instant coffee now, and it's taken them forever to come out with an instant coffee. I assume you still have to mail order it from them because I. Or you can buy it at their it. stores, I would guess. Well, I thought so, but I went into one and they wasn't. They didn't have it, so I don't know. Maybe others have it. But anyway, I I like the the idea of instant coffee i just wanted to taste just like home brewed stuff you know <laughs> yeah that's i i mean i tend to stay away from instant coffee and and say you know no i would rather have uh a brewed coffee although you know i've read that if you have a, a k-cup brewer that some of the k-cups are actually an instant coffee that's in there you don't know what's in that little k-cup pod right yeah 
and some of them are are coffee that you drip water over. Some are are instant coffee that just dissolve completely and make your coffee. Why why not? But in 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 any case, uh, having dry powdered stuff is a much more convenient thing than even owning a coffee pot, right? Yeah. So yeah. Just, I, I, I want and, and I want. You just use my zapper, stick it in the micro, and have it in ten seconds. You know, or yeah, whatever it takes. Well, you know, it's like uh, I mean, the the if you're if you're only, in your house, there's two people at least drinking coffee, sometimes three, right? In, in in my house, there's one, and so you know, there's no reason for me to ever make more coffee. And quite frankly, the the Keurig makes my coffee, my one cup of coffee, plenty fast. I mean, just as fast as it would be for me to go, you know, fill a cup with water and stick it in the microwave. It's just another machine to sit on the counter and get clogged up. Uh, there is that. It does take up space on the counter. And, and, and it clogs up. I, mm-hmm. I'll tell you, any coffee pot does. Yeah, later. although I haven't had trouble with mine. You know, it does have a filter in it, and if you change your filter semi-regularly, then it has less of an issue. So it's just another hassle. And but uh, I, but I understand that. Yeah, it's another thing. That, it's another device that that because every device has complications. It's it, you've got to clean it and deal with it. And it and, takes up space. And my and my thought is is that ultimately a, a coffee maker like a Starbucks, they're not going to put it out unless it tastes like Starbucks coffee. At least I'm hoping that that's mm-hmm. the way it is. So of course, I'm anxious to try there are those of us who would say that in that in itself explains why you shouldn't drink it because Starbucks coffee is not that good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I happen to like their cold coffee. Yeah, I, 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 I drink some of their coffee drinks. I don't like their just plain coffee. I feel like they over-roast it too much. But as a, as an ingredient in a, you know, frozen coffee or an iced coffee, they're fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, uh, I, I have been given as a gift the uh, some Starbucks uh, cards, and I don't ever say... No, thank you. I don't want it. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know I, what? I um, I, I, my my sister got me uh trying, and I don't drink them regularly because they're just too sweet. But um, was it the? I, it, I don't know if it's Gefalia or Jefalia, but they have like a, a a little instant coffee latte thing where that you know you have the K cup that goes in, and you have this powder that you dump into the into the cup that then supposed to give it the the it's like powdered milk and sugar and stuff that kind of gives it that froth of like a latte yeah. and they have i've i've on time at times purchased the wrong one and instead of getting the the latte tube plus the k cup i get the latte tube plus a little tube of instant coffee from gefalia or jefalia and yeah. that's actually a pretty good coffee and it I know that because I, rather than mixing it in as the um, as the coffee portion of the drink, I just use one of my other K cups and make my coffee with their with that and their little mix in thing, and and so I've got these little tubes of instant coffee, and I save those for like, hey, if I need some coffee, you know, I need some instant coffee, I've got it, and that's a pretty good one. Yeah, well, we subscribed to that when we lived in California. Oh, uh-huh. And uh, for quite a few years, and then finally we just decided that uh, we we kind of went over the period where we sort of tried to get a kick coffee, you know, trying yeah. to have as much of that stuff. So 
anyway, we, we turned off the subscription and I haven't had any since. Yeah. But anyway, it's, it's a good coffee. Uh, and I, I ultimately think that, uh, they will have coffee, uh, Call it instant, if you will, but it'll be a powdered form, and you can make it a lot easier, and you can make one cup or two cups or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's the real, be- real beauty of it is because there's lots of families, and you you think mom drinks it, but she's given up on it. She doesn't, oh. you know, she has once a month or something like that. She'll try it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and, uh, so it's really just for me, but uh, but I want it to be good coffee, or I don't want right. Yeah. Well, I mean, and then you—if it's just for you—you you pick whatever form you want to make it in. You know, whether you, you know whether you want to make a, a a pot or a single cup and a K cup, or if you want to make it instant or whatever makes you happy. You know, I know there are some people who really, as much as liking the coffee, like the process of making it, and so they go through the elaborate, you know, French presses and pour overs, and you know, they, it's like to me that looks like way too much work, but that's for them that's part of the process and part of the enjoyment it's like all right fine whatever yeah yeah anyway it's yeah. another technology that's out there that uh yeah continues to improve our lives right yep i'm looking here and it says that you can get starbucks dark roast premium instant coffee or starbucks medium roast premium instant coffee at target it's eight dollars for a three ounce canister it's pretty small isn't it yeah. Now I don't know how much you know how many cups of coffee that makes in a canister. It's it's not mail order though, huh? Um. Well, it is through Target. Oh. Okay. Well, I'll have to see if I can't get some. I I just want to try it. You know. Yeah. It says new at Target. Oh, it's okay. uh. You also can get two dollars and fifty cents off right now with a um. If, if you go in store. So instead of eight bucks, it would be. You know, uh-huh. what five and a half? Um, well. Premium instant coffee says it makes up to forty cups, so it's very wow. light and powdery. So that's why the three ounces, yeah, you know, makes more than you think. Up to forty cups. I wow. guess that depends on how much you mix in. You have to be careful that you follow the directions and get it. Uh, don't make it too strong. Yeah. I'm looking at it here. It says they have them in stock at my, or ready within two hours for pickup at uh, the, my uh, lo- my local Target. So I could order it, pay for it, and then just go pick it up there if I wanted. Hmm. Well, uh, I might just do that. I'll check it out then. Hmm. Well, maybe I'll do it too, and the next week we can compare notes and see what we think about uh, Starbucks coffee now i would never get their dark roast because i think their medium roast is probably over roasted anyway but i'll try i'll get the medium roast and give it a try so maybe i'll give that a shot yeah so. it's interesting at the bottom it says instant and micro ground coffee so you'll it, to make it seem more like like uh brewed coffee you're going to get a little bit of grounds in the bottom of it because it's oh. got mi- micro grounds yeah well, maybe that's why it's uh, it's it's so fine and powdery and doesn't take that much. It's really, yeah. really concentrated stuff. Yeah, they also have a, a a blonde light roast. You know, there's a lot of different ways to manufacture these. You know, they could have made oh, sure. made the coffee and then then dehydrated it. You know, so there's lots of 
uh, lots of ways to preserve flavors. Yep. Yeah. So by putting a little bit of the grounds in there, maybe it'll taste more like a brewed coffee. I don't know. Probably worth giving it a try, huh? Gosh, I think when we uh, finish this program, I'm going to go go drive over to Target and see if, if they have it before I go. But yeah, they do. I just might have a cup. Of, man, man. Now I got you thinking about coffee, huh? Well, I just finished my cup of coffee that I brewed this morning, so. <laughs> uh, I haven't had coffee this morning. Yeah. Well, it's it, for me. It's a uh, it's the you know one one cup in the morning. That's all I need, and. Uh, you know, I usually, I, I either drink it black or I put a little bit of half and half or, or heavy cream in it if I have some, but that's that's my, my one mix in. And, uh, well, they, ha- they have a Starbucks booth in the front of Target, so I like going in there just to go get my favorite Starbucks cold coffee. Right. But, you know, but uh, anyway. So you'll go have a coffee while you go shop for your uh, freeze-dried coffee. Yeah, I'm sorry. Instant. Yeah, I shouldn't call it freeze dried. That's yeah. We don't know how it how it got there. Yeah, know? it's a pro- that's a proprietary uh, uh, secret, right? Manufacturing right. secret. So, <laughs> yeah. so let's go back to our list of stuff here. Let's see. So apparently, a San Francisco doctor has been charged with pos- possessing child pornography in iCloud. So Apple has nabbed somebody, um, but. As I pointed out when you sent this out, this is not Apple's recently announced system of finding stuff. This is just the old-fashioned way. Um, well, well, uh, they have. Uh, there was an article I just read today. I, it didn't say for how long, but for for almost forever on iCloud or on uh, Apple Mail, uh, they've been looking at mail, and uh, right. that's probably where they got their data. Yeah, they've got an AI that's been scanning for photos for quite a while. And Apple has uh, traditionally turned in, in fact, I think I saw a stat the other day, something like a couple hundred people, uh, uh, I don't know whether it was a month or a year or whatever, to the authorities that, that they were suspected of having uh, you know, images that were of children. And... Uh, and uh, okay, so th- there's a, a threshold of at least 30 pieces of imagery to help mitigate false positives, too. So, you know, right. if you're a parent who's got a picture of your kid in the bathtub, you know, when they were an infant, um, you know, that's not, you know, you're, you're theoretically not going to have, you know, 30 of those well, photos, right? And, those, you know, those are, that's not the same well, thing. Well, well, when I read this, I thought, said to myself, you know, email has been out there forever, you know? And yeah, it's, that's the that's the obvious place to start on something. Like right. This. Well, and it's insecure by its nature in that there's there is no right. encryption going on, so you know it can be scanned by anybody. Right. Yeah. So anybody who's fool enough to send that kind of stuff out over e you know just old stock email, they're, yeah, they're just asking to be caught or. Yeah. Well, and good. They should be catching those idiots. Um, right. You know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't have an issue with that. Like I said, I don't think anybody has an issue with what they're scanning for. I think right. the issue is that the that they they've created a new methodology that allows them to scan things differently than they used to. But as well, I, as this points out, they said that they're detecting. They they specifically say they're detecting these images in iCloud. And right. as I pointed out, their iCloud backups have never been encrypted. So. The idea that they can now use this convoluted way to scan through your iCloud photos 
is really a, a non-starter. Who cares? Because they could already scan through all of your backups. Right. Yeah. So well, the hullabaloo is is misplaced, well, has, I think. You know, a part of this uh, stuff is uh, I, I don't think most people know what the hash means. You know. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, so that that's the other part of piece of this. But what, uh, I wanted to point out that uh, an article that I read some somewhere yesterday or today that basically said uh, both Google and uh, Facebook have been made public the fact that they have been actively involved in uh, doing things to to catch this pornography uh, oh absolutely in fact politically politically Apple had had to give some publicity to what they're doing and that's what really brought caused this whole thing to happen to begin with yeah is that when, when their competitors are doing it they need to you know right step up and say i'm doing it too you know right well and in fact the i i mentioned that i had read something about apple had turned in like 280 or something like that people um in a in a specific time period um, the article also said that during that same time period that Facebook had turned in close to 20,000 uh, possible images or, or not people, but they had identified 20,000 images that, uh, you know, so, I mean, it was like an order of magnitude more. And, yeah. uh, and in fact, almost two orders of magnitude more. And, uh, and so, you know, the, that's bad press for Apple, right? It's like, they don't want to be the people who are not doing as good a job as Facebook, who everybody's demonized. Right. So. So that, that and that makes a lot of sense. That's very believable. You know, I mean, yeah. whether, whether it really happened that way, I don't know. But probably yeah. had something to do with it. <clears throat> anyway, yeah. uh, while we're on that topic of big uh, tech vendors competing, uh, the uh, another big thing that's come up just uh, this last week is the chaos in Afghanistan and what they're doing about that. All the, just about all the tech companies have some significant role in the Taliban and how they do business. And in fact, if, if uh, people were saying that their, their whole organization could, would just collapse if, uh, as you know, as a group, if uh, uh, if they lost Twitter or Facebook or both, I don't know which. But it sounded like Twitter was the primary use yeah. that they've made of it, you know. And yeah. and, uh, yet, and yet uh, the response to it has been minimal from Twitter because they're, they don't know people aren't necessarily been identified individually. But they, Yeah, they but know that it's being done, but they don't know the individuals involved necessarily or which accounts they are. And, but and it seems the like they could... They, they don't want to cut off people that need help, you know, that need some way to communicate yeah so, yeah you don't want to but, cut off everybody in afghanistan because there are some people in afghanistan who are tweeting out like oh my gosh you know here's where the taliban is right now and here's what's going on here and getting news out and keeping people any, informed but it's pretty amazing that a group of guys who are driving around in in toyota trucks with ak-47s have an amazing instantaneous across the country communication systems thanks to twitter Whereas the right. U.S. has spent billions of dollars trying to create that in the battle, you know, the on battlefield communication system, and the and the Taliban well, says, "Yeah, we'll just tweet." It seems seems to me that business has no 
uh, role to play when you have kind uh, you know uh, this is uh, this is State Department. Yeah, the government says step in. Your 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 product is now being used by enemy combatants, and so uh, you know we are going to uh, for the for the safety of our people in our in our in our military, we are going to step in and help you find who needs to be shut down. And if that means we have to shut down the entire country for a period of time until we decide who we can turn back on, then so be it, because it's costing American lives. I I I would just go in and, and take out the towers. I mean, physical targets. Are the things that that go first? Well, absolutely, because Twitter doesn't do you any good if you don't have internet and you don't have uh, cell towers, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's that's the basic thing that uh, needs to be done in these environments. Is anybody fighting wars anymore loses their their internet? Yeah. I mean, that's a critical infrastructure that you have to control. Yeah. Well, certainly, you know, as much as you want to control the airspace over something, you want to control the your enemy's ability to communicate with them with within themselves, right? And if they're if they're using the internet and you're afraid to take it down because it might, you know, be difficult for the people you like, then yeah. they basically have you over a barrel. Yeah. Now, now, now the th- thought occurred to me while I was th- thinking about this is that that works for a, a country like Afghanistan who has no real uh, power in the world. But if it comes to like competition between Russia and, and China and the U.S. and all of that, the, the real hazard is, and, and there is a tool to do this, and that's the, that's the uh, 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 EMP, electromagnetic pulse, mm-hmm. that can wipe out all, all electronics. Uh, and... That's the real scary one because that says you lose per- pretty much everything. Yeah, and it's, it's instant and it's permanent and it's widespread. Yeah, and so uh, my thought is is that uh, that that's the way the end of the world will be in sight. We'll all all of a sudden all lose everything electronic, our power systems, everything, and we'll be back to primitive in a in a short order and. Boy, this is where the survivalists are going to be important. Uh, figure out how how to, you know, survive in such an environment. You know, yeah, because it's not easy. Not easy. Everything, the whole infrastructure collapses. Yeah, there's a um, a very actually very, but a, a pretty famous book that tells exactly that story happening. It's called One Year After. And it's basically what would happen if the Chinese uh, exploded a couple nukes up in the upper atmosphere over the U.S. and caused a giant EMP to wipe out essentially most of our electronics. Yeah. And and here's the thing about it is that uh, if it happens to one, it's going to happen to all. Right. No way that any of us can stop the other guy from doing it if you do it yourself. Right. It's, it's just, it's going to happen, you know? Yeah. So, so. If, if your electronics are inside of a Faraday cage, would that protect then, you? Then you can't use them. Well, you can protect it from being killed, and there will be some that would survive, but how many, you know, anyone who has critical missions, then they, after yeah. the fact, and they can pull them out yeah. and hope that somebody doesn't have another uh, yeah. bomb to do it again, you know? But yeah, that that's foolish because they do, you know. 
Now, yeah. Whether they can make it happen again, who knows? But you know. Yeah. Well, and as the in the book that was written by a former military person, the the one I was referring to, um, uh, they uh, one year after, the uh, you know the the military is aware of this, and so there's a lot of stuff that are that are electronics within our military that are designed to be uh, hardened against an EMP attack. So you right. know, we would maintain the capabilities of protecting our borders uh, in that kind of attack. Um, so you wouldn't necessarily see like, you know, a huge breakdown of governments and stuff, at least initially, you know, the fallout of that kind of thing would be horrendous, though. You know, yeah. all of your electric vehicles certainly wouldn't go. You wouldn't be worried about your batteries getting hot. <laughs> but quite frankly, most of your vehicles wouldn't go because most of the modern vehicles are run by computers. So anybody who has a, a vehicle that would working would be probably one that was like built pre 75 when ish when they started putting uh computers yeah, in your car yeah cuba is going to be the only one with all their cars still working <laughs> did you ever think of that yeah because they, they they would be the technology capital of the world at that point wouldn't they because they would have actual working vehicles because all their cars were built in the 50s right yeah yeah either that or museums you know yeah well and they've learned how to well and car collectors you know yeah. um i've got a brother-in-law who's got a 69 ford and he works on it himself. So not only does he have the vehicle, but he also has the knowledge to keep it running, which that's the other problem. You know, it's like Cuba not only has the vehicles, they've got a bunch of people who know how to keep them going. Right. Yeah. You know, um, here, a lot of mechanics have never uh, worked on uh, a car that didn't have, you know, computer controls or, or electronic ignitions and things like that. That's right. Well, the key so. thing is is that the wiring for the distributors to get the sparks to the plugs, you know? Right. And all of that. Yeah. That, that's what's been electrified. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I have, I have a 99 Ford Ranger uh, that I drive, and it the block actually still has the place where the distributor goes in, and instead of a distributor, there's a sensor there that then runs to the electronic ignition. But you could basically yeah. unscrew that sensor, screw a distributor in, and you're ready to roll. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Easy fix. Yeah. Or easy so, transition, I guess. Yeah, I guess if I were a, a good prepper, I would have a distributor here ready to put in it if I needed it, right? Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, we've uh, uh, we've kind of gone afar from the uh, initial technology we started with, electric cars, but mm-hmm. uh, it's... Uh, it's a generalization of what can happen with those systems. One, one other one that I, I sent you that had to do with uh, uh, wireless home theater technology, and uh, that's WISA, W small I S A. I don't tell me what that acronym stands for, but I thought that that was kind of an interesting one. We last time we had talked about some things. Uh, if you're going to have home electronics, that you might want to go with a uh, uh, a system that had a mesh network, you know, to communicate and mm-hmm. and all of that. But uh, there, there's more than that that's really involved. Uh, if you want to have uh, a really 
speaker system. Right. Well, and that's a different issue than most of the smart home things. Most of the smart home things don't need very much bandwidth. And honestly, they don't even need to be on very much. And there can be a fair amount of latency. But if you're going to do a home speaker system, it has to be very low latency so it can stay synced up with the video on your screen. Um, And it's got to be pretty high bandwidth to get the quality of sound across it. Right, right. But anyway, different problem, different... uh, was going on with Wisa, but you've got all the big name speaker companies here. Yeah. Uh, except, uh, you know, Apple and Google and those guys who recently kind of gotten into the speaker business on a, mm-hmm. on a different different angle. But uh, but anyway, it, it's uh, it's out there. You can get compatible stuff from a lot of different brand names. Yeah. That will work with this. Yeah, I wasn't aware of of it either. And uh, the other issue is that it's now a sports uh, Dolby Atmos and other things that have come along recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I've just looked at some of the equipment. I've been thinking that uh, uh, possibly of upgrading my television because uh, the TVs that, that really make a difference these days, there was a technology jump when they went to the, uh, uh, now it slips my mind. Well, when they went to 4K, they went they, and, and 4K was not that big a deal. But they simultaneously no. added uh, um, uh, the uh, high dynamic range, yeah, HDR to it, and but I, that. Yeah, I'm talking about the actual display technology. Uh, the uh, what's the not L, not LCD the thing that yeah. Well, the that. there's OLED came after that, and now they're That's talking it. now they're talking um, uh, micro LED. Well, o- OLED screens were a, a monumental jump in terms of performance because blacks are black. Basically, OLED says that the individual transistor right on the television generates its power. There's no backlighting yeah. or any of that stuff. No well, early early OLEDs had some issues in that they didn't didn't have as high a refresh rate, high a scan rate, and so there was right. some smearing with it. But now they've got those up to to double scan, you know, 120 hertz. Um, uh, scanning and yeah some of those OLED TV and surprisingly LG of late of of crappy battery pack fame uh, makes yeah. some of the best OLED TVs out there that's right and uh, in fact our sis- your sister my daughter and her husband just bought one mm-hmm. and Heidi sent me a picture of it and I said oh gee that's great because I, I I haven't been in a store to see TVs lately but yeah it obviously is, is really beautiful picture you know and, and it's yeah. a larger one and yeah I, I i thought about uh i got online to just see what was available and uh, lo and behold i found one that uses the virtual capability so i could put the tv on the wall in my house and overlay other things so i could see how big a how a 77 inch or 75 i think it was a 77 looks uh-huh in my house and yeah it, it's pretty dang impressive yeah, it's it's a small theater. I will tell you, and and I have sat and looked at them, and and in my opinion, and a grant granted, it's just my opinion, that the OLED was less of an improvement in the quality of the image and and a major increase in the cost of the image than the addition of HDR. That a high dynamic range LCD screen, in my mind, is no worse than the 
than the much more expensive OLED screens when you have an HDR screen because the HDR requires that they have a significantly higher uh, uh, dynamic range. And so the blacks are blacker, the whites are whiter, and the contrast is higher. And that has more to do with the quality of an image as you perceive it than than the OLED technology versus the LCD technology. And so as long yeah. as you get one that has HDR in it, you're going to be in a good space. It, it was a big improvement, I agree. But the fact is, is I don't think you can buy an OLED set without it. I mean, that's just a standard technology now. What what I'm saying is you could buy a significantly less expensive non-OLED set that has HDR and get a picture that looks the same. I don't know if it would be the same. But well, I mean, every TV is going to have slight yeah. differences from one to the next. And the other issue yeah. with OLED is OLED has burn-in issues that, that LCD does not. Yeah. So, so like, anyway, if you have a menuing system that you call up your directory on regularly, that you run the risk of that burning in. So yeah. I, I'm not sold on OLED. I guess is all I'm saying. I th I think that the major issue is is the uh, getting a good um, uh, HDR television set, which is uh, and, and I guess that and and that was I reflected that. I mean, I, I, that's what I my last television set purchase was one that had you know 4K and HDR, and I looked at the OLED ones and said it's not worth the extra money. The quality of the image is not significantly different. Uh, and I looked at them side by side in the store and went, no, I'm, I'm not spending that money. Um, it's just not that good. And, and I have an LG TV as well. Yeah. Well, anyway, the LG also supports this uh, new surround sound uh, theater quality. And in mm -hmm. fact, in, when, I, when you looked at this article that I sent you here, that one system is out there right now that says it is THD. Uh, qualified, and that's like the home or like the movie theaters, you know. THD, uh, THX, THX, that's yeah, THX. Uh, and so, uh, I didn't know that they were a rating organization, also, mm -hmm. that they, they have a certain standard that, that is necessary, I guess. Yeah, isn't THX a Sony thing? I, Just like Dolby is DTS and. It very well could be, but anyway, that sounded because that's what you know. You always are told when you're in the theater. This is THX sound. Right. Some it's some theaters have yeah Dolby sound, and, uh, and others have THX, and others have you know. There's right. several standards out there. I I really like the idea of this this WISA group though because there's a lot of people who who would like to have a you know surround sound five one or five or seven one system, but they can't afford to do that up front. And this basically says, you know, buy the 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 center console and and a subwoofer, and then add additional speakers to fill out the rest of it because it'll you know you can just plug them in you don't have to run uh wires right well the wireless is, is good for the side speakers as well but mm -hmm. you definitely need them for the back you know? right but that's what i'm saying is you can you can basically build out your system piece at a time and not have to worry about are they going to make this particular model again somewhere down the road because that doesn't matter as long as it's WISA compliant, it'll all just plug and work. Right. 
Because, you know, I worked when I was in college in a stereo store, and those manufacturers come out with a new version every year. So if you bought System A and then you want to go buy the second part for System A, they don't make it next year. Now they're on to System B and C and D. Right. Yeah. So having yep. a standard is awesome. So, yeah. Anyway. Uh, I will I, say... I I was going to say real quickly, though, that if you buy, like, most um, uh, most TV manufacturers make a surround sound sound bar that you can buy to go with your television set, and virtually all of them, the back speakers are already wireless. They just weren't part of this standard. Oh, yeah. So they, they have, like, usually front speakers, either a sound bar or some separate speakers, or sometimes both, and they have a woofer that you plug in somewhere, and then the woofer has a wireless transmitter to the rear speakers. And that's that's something that's been standard for a while because they understand that people don't want to run wires to the back of the room. Yep. Well, the uh, the only other issue with all of these things is you still have to have your speakers close to some outlet so that you can get some power to it. Yeah. I'm, I'm figuring at some point along the way somebody's going to say, aha, battery technology. I don't know how long a battery would last in these, but if it was easy to plug it in, and uh, recharge it wouldn't be a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, as long as it gets you through, you know, if if once a month you had to charge things up, that wouldn't be the end of the world, right? Right. Just move it over as you go to bed some night. Yeah. Plug it in, you know, and that's all you really need. Yeah. I wonder if how well that works for inside stuff, though. Like, I have a um, uh, camera outside, a security camera that is battery powered. And they've gotten that down to now once every four to six months you have to plug it in and charge it, which is pretty good. But obviously it goes down quicker if you're like watching, if you sit and watch the camera a long time. Yeah. But every time I go to like my, my uh, HomeKit app, it just shows me a snapshot of the, you know, in the last 10 seconds. So it's not continually on and, you know, transmitting all the time. Yeah. But um, even with that, I bought a little thing that plugs into the back of it and then trickle charges it so that I don't ever have to charge it now because it's got a little solar thing attached to it. But it's outside where I can see the sun. Yeah. The, the other thing is is that while you're watching a movie and you really want this surround sound is that maybe you can do all of this without having any of these big boxes and stuff sitting around your house all the time just by putting a headset on. Well, there's always that. You know, yeah, you can know. do Dolby Atmos in your in your uh, AirPods Pro. Yeah, and and that's supposed to give you some surround sound like things. So maybe that's mm-hmm. the first place to start is to say, you know, is that am I happy with that? And if not, yeah. then you can go further. You know. Yeah. That said, though, you know, you're sitting there with your headphones on and you're completely isolating yourself from the rest of the room. And so it takes away the social aspect of when you're watching a movie where you can go like, what, what was that? And you can talk about it. And plus, you've got something yeah. in your ears, which isn't the most comfortable thing. And I know you're used to having things in your ears, but most people aren't. And uh, so, you know, I mean, it's it. We've always had the option of wearing a headset while you're watching television if you don't want to bother somebody else. Right. Right. So, you know, I think there's a place for both. Yeah, one one of the downsides of having hearing aids and always having them them there is that uh, since the the digital hearing aids 
come with the feature so that I can directly transmit from my iPad, which is my normal device, or my computer even, uh, is that, well, I'm sorry, I can't do it with my computer, but I can with my phone and iPad. So it does take me out of the conversation, and I know uh, your mom doesn't like it very well. <laughs> right. When she, she's sitting there and says something that, you know, even without having that uh, sound come directly into my ears, I don't hear well anyway. Mm -hmm. So I'll probably ask her to repeat it. But with it yeah. in my ear, I, I definitely don't hear her, you know? Right. Well, and the other thing is, too, you know, like you answer the phone and it's being put directly into your ears. And, and so you, you, instead of putting it on the speakerphone, she can't hear the conversation. Right. So she can't yeah, take well, part part. Now, you know, there's a lot of times when you would have put the phone up to your ear anyway, so... Uh, well, now, that, now that happens just yesterday when Tobin called, you know, and, uh, and but that's pretty easy to, to fix. I just turned Bluetooth off, you know? Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, but it's just, you just have to remember to, you just have to remember to do it so that, uh, so that the rest of the world can join in on the conversation if you're, which, you know, you don't always want to do, right? You don't necessarily want the rest of the world joining in on the conversation. There's a lot of people who take phone calls with their AirPods in. Right. You know, but, yeah. but, you know, very often it's a family conversation. You want to have everybody in, uh, join in. Yeah. <laughs> Although, as we've learned, everybody sometimes is too many people. If the room's got too many people in it, it just becomes a mess. <laughs> uh, that, that's right. Uh, phone conversations really don't work with crowds. Yeah. No, it's it, uh, we've done. We've tried to do FaceTime at holidays, and you know, if you if one room or the other has, you know, more than about two or three people in it, it gets to be a mess. And especially if if those additional people are, say, under the age of ten. <laughs> <laughs> there's just a cacophony of noise <laughs> yep. yeah. yeah it's pretty funny it's like I've, I've learned to call my sister at night after her boys are asleep because otherwise it's hard to have a conversation <laughs> as they're getting older it's not as bad as it was but uh yeah. used to be you know they're they don't care there's somebody on the phone. They they want to talk, and they want to play, and they want to giggle and scream, and they want to, you know, they want mom to give them some food, and they want, you know. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Parenting. Yeah. Hey, um, so we were talking about the standard that, that was created, the WISA standard for sounds. The other standard that has been interesting to me has been thread, and I'm all for, hey, you know, if I'm going to buy something new, if I buy a new home speaker system, or a new uh, speaker system for my television set. I'm certainly going to look for the Weesus mark to say, make sure I get it. You know, the follows the new standard because there's advantages to that. Likewise, right. as I've been buying new things for my uh, smart home, anytime I re, you know replace a light bulb or something, I make sure I get a thread compatible one. And one of the companies that I've worked with is Nanoleaf. I have several Nanoleaf um, smart light bulbs in my house. In fact, there's one on my desk lamp here in my office. Um, and it's set up to like anytime my back door opens on the house, that the light on my desk comes on, and and it, and it comes on in in the color red, so that I just know, hey, somebody somebody's opened the door. Um, you know, especially if I'm, and I mean the door's locked. You know, if if I if there's nobody else home, but uh, um, it's just my little notifier, and uh, so Nanoleaf. The company that makes the uh, the light bulb that I have here also makes these things uh, that go on your wall. They're sort of decorative lighting, 
And so they, they have a, a series called Shapes and another called Elements. And the shapes come in like squares or triangles, and they're about uh, 10 or 12 inches you know, across on a side. And you put them together on the wall, and they create a decorative lighting element on your wall. And shapes does the or elements does the same thing but they have different textures on them the elements controllers have like a wood texture and the one that i've always seen so i don't know if they make other shapes with that one is uh hexagons so you can have this like wood grain hexagons but they light up and they light up in different colors and provide sort of uh you know a uh, indirect lighting in a room as well as sort of a decorative wall thing and now they've decided to create or they've added to by, via a software update a, th- a thread border router out of these uh, out of the controller that, that runs these lighting systems. And for those who don't know what that is, is the thread mesh network that attaches all of your smart devices, if they are thread compatible, needs to have a border router on the system. Now, it can have more than one, but it needs at least one border router on the system that allows the thread network to attach to your local Wi-Fi network so that then you can control it through the software on your system. And right. uh, so now what they're saying is that they are creating a border router out of the controller for certain lights that they have on their system, which I think is a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a, a uh, HomePod Nano, no, HomePod Mini, uh, it also acts as a border router. And I think uh, the Eve people who make uh, light switches and smart outlets and door sensors and things like that, I think their, their, um, their uh, plug-in smart outlets also act as border routers. So you've got uh, a variety. And again, if you have more than one on your system, that's fine. One of them will be the primary and the others will act as backup. So if one goes down, the other then automatically just takes over in the background so kind of cool yeah yeah well a lot of possibilities there uh the question i thought you were going to address was how how might wisa have any uh connection or connectivity with something like the uh uh dang it i'm blanking on the the thread network yeah and i don't i don't know that there's a reason for them to have that other than i guess if i had a smart home thing i would want to be able to you know maybe you could increase and decrease volume and things like that via your smart home you know yeah. person person whether it be you know the 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 siri device or a uh, or a google or a, a amazon alexa well, device the proper place for that, though, is on your TV controller, with your TV having controlling the WISA system. That's what I like about the LG TVs. They have WISA, and you just use, you know, you control all all of the output from that TV uh, directly from your uh, your remote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, you don't have to do it from the remote. I mean, you can do it anywhere. I mean, I have a non-WISA, um, you know, speaker system attached to my television set, and I control it from the remote. Well, yeah, yeah. but it's wired, right? No. Oh, okay. Speakers in the back are wireless. 
it's just not WISA standard. It's it's not it's a proprietary to LG standard for the wireless connectivity. You know, so what that means is if I decided, like, I've got a 5.1 speaker system right now. If I decided I wanted a 7.1, I couldn't buy another pair of speakers and just plug them in and make them part of that system. Oh, okay. What interests me, though, is say if, if you have a WISA system and that's what you want to do, how do you identify that the two speakers that you added are in a specific position relative to the others? Do they magically know that? You know what I mean? Because yeah. where they're located well, should determine what sound is sent to them in relation well, to each is, other. There is a setup associated with this, and I don't know. It probably addresses that somehow. But well, it has manual, to. Without I mean, a it, manual, here's how it works. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, and maybe each manufacturer addresses it however they want to address it. Yeah. You know? Because one, one of the devices has to be like the the controller device for everything else in the WISA setup. Yeah. Right. I mean, even in the thread setup, because in, in thread, you have three different types of devices. You've got uh, routers, which will take a, a thread signal and then pass it on. Um, you have endpoints that just receive the signals. And usually endpoints are very low power battery run things. And so that's why they don't pass it on. Um, like a door sensor or, you know, a battery run outdoor switch or something that's wireless. But something that plugs in almost always is a router. But then in addition to the router, they have what they call border routers. And the border router is what gives the connection between the thread network and your home network, your home Wi-Fi network. Hmm. But again, that's a, a self-maintaining mesh network that you can add or subtract parts to. And as long as you have at least one border router, it will continue to function and work. Yeah. Briefly, this article does talk about a WISA uh, audio-video receiver that lets you create wired connections. Uh, wired? Well, yeah. You, you can use wired connections or wireless. Okay while simultaneously supporting the wireless connections to the other speakers, you know, rear, okay. high, they call it height, subwoofer. Sub right, okay, so, that makes sense. So so it's basically they're saying that they're designing it to work just like the current systems do, with, you know, usually the, the speakers that are up front next to the your center channel and your right and left, whether it be in a bar or separate speakers, yeah. are, are all connected via wires. But the ones that go around the room are wireless because who wants to run wires around the perimeter of their room? Yeah. Uh, well, they kind of compare. So they, there's lots of different ways. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know how to say this. Uh, one, one of the things, for some reason, they said WISA is limited to eight wireless channels, but some surround setups like Dolby Atmos 7.1.4 require more than that. So that, what are they saying? I don't know, Rick. So maybe that's why, oh, that's why then they followed that by talking about having some front wired connectors so that you free up those other channels. Apparently mm -hmm. WISA really is an eight wireless channels. That's it. And if you, if you 
Um, if you, if you, you need, need more than eight speakers around you, <laughs> then you can't use Wisa. Well, well, except with, with Dolby Atmos. Now, what, that was the exception that, that requires more. Right. So, uh, so, you know. Yeah. But most people have the same response that I just had. They start to chuckle when they say, okay, you need more. I mean, let's face it. How many people in... There are some people who have a home theater and they're super serious about it, but let's face it. How many people in their home theater are going to set up a full Dolby Atmos system that has more than eight separate speaker units? You know? I mean, my system has a sound bar in the front, which I know is not as... got as much separation as a, uh, you know, separate speakers. But as a sound bar in the front... There's a subwoofer, and there's two separate speakers behind me. And as it is, I can tell you that when I'm sitting there, more than once, I freak out because I think I hear something behind me, and then I realize it's the stupid television. <laughs> <laughs> Happens all the time. You know? And, like, you know, I mean, it, 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 think about different people's home setups, too, like your home setup. If you try to set up rear speakers, they're, they're going to be in your kitchen. You know, you'd have to suspend well, them from the ceiling or something. <laughs> Speaking of, of noise behind you, our refrigerator ice maker, uh, <laughs> when the ice drops, it, it, it's pretty dang loud. Yeah. And last night, while we were talking to Tobin on telephone, suddenly, bang, something went, made a noise. And we never did figure out what it was. Yeah. I don't know if it was a dishwasher or something. But You guys both jumped. It was probably something yeah. falling over in the office. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Though, no evidence here. Yeah. Uh, well. So. Yeah, you never anyway. know. Anyhow, I like the fact that both uh, the smart home stuff and the smart theater stuff are coalescing around some standards. You know. Yeah. Because I don't care. You know, you you, you may have a preference in terms of of uh, manufacturers. And, you know, and I personally don't care which manufacturer you buy from, but it's nice to think that you could buy from, you know, parts of your system from one manufacturer and parts from another if you felt like you needed to, and they would all talk together and work well. Yeah, because most of the time that any of those kinds of things are going to last your lifetime anyway, so you're not going to throw out, you know, some good working stuff in order to augment it somehow with right. something, rear speakers or whatever. Right, yeah, no, in fact... Um, the only reason that I have a, a the newer LG surround system is because the last time I, the, the sound bar that I had quit working, and so when I when it quit working, I said, "Well, let's get one that has some back speakers on it." So we kind of get you know a five one surround system, which is what I ended up getting, and uh, you know it sounds good. I enjoy it, but. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, lacking a, you know, because most of those things have an integrated amplifier built into them. And yeah. so, you know, when that, when sometimes that electronics will eventually cease to function. But other than that, you're right. You don't, why would you replace it? I had a 5.1 system one time a long time ago, but uh, I, don't, I think I've still got some pieces of it sitting around here. But uh, I don't even know how to wire it all together anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, when when I moved, I lost cables and stuff like that. Uh huh. And some and sometimes they're irreplaceable. Like one uh, speaker box has this unique special cable on it. Oh, don't you hate that? 
Oh, man. You know, Remember, for a while, that was a big thing on computers. Computers were going to have yeah. surround sound systems on them. And I guess if you're a gamer, there's some value to that. But if you don't game or you don't watch a lot of stuff on your desktop computer system, why on earth would yeah. you want a surround sound on your direct, on your desktop? But, you know, anyway, I say that uh, as I sit here with my system plugged into, you know, studio monitors. And <laughs> so I've got... I've got a way over the top surround sound, or not surround sound, but a way, way over the top uh, sound system that um, most people wouldn't have on their computers either. So, I suspect that if I did this cleanup job that we were talking about before we started this conversation today in the office and get all of my cables together and sorted out along with all my other devices, that maybe I'd find some of these. Yeah, you, you might actually have a surround sound system buried in there somewhere, <laughs> huh? Yeah. Yes. I I hate to throw out old stuff because as soon as you do, then you're going to find the, the mate that it goes with, you know? Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's like when you pull one sock out of the laundry. It's like, don't throw it away. <laughs> the yeah, other one will turn up. And until you got a drawer full of socks, right? Yeah, then, yeah. A drawer, drawer full of, of left socks, right? No right socks. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I literally did that the other day. I... I uh, folded my clothes and had one sock left over and I'm like what the heck and I went back and looked on the floor to see if I dropped it and looked in the washer and in the dryer could not find it anywhere and then um, uh, I don't know about four or five days later I did another load of laundry and the other shock sock showed up I think it was in uh, I have like a bag a laundry hamper that or bag that I use as a hamper and I think it just was in the bottom of that and so when I got the second load done i washed the other socks so i said okay well good I, I remember where i set the other sock aside so i went and got it and put the two back together and put them in my sock drawer uh-huh. but it's a weird thing you know that that one odd sock and it i i do i tend to do i don't it's not small load but i you know i do like a a um by, by the way if i had printed this article out on wisa I would mm-hmm. highlight one sentence in here, and it says, just because a product is WISA certified doesn't mean it's Dolby True HD compatible, for instance. Okay, so, <laughs> well, that makes sense, because Dol- I mean, the, the WISA just says that they know how to talk to each other. It doesn't say that they then support other sound yeah. standards. Yeah. That, that I mean, so. that, that I, did, I would not have assumed that WISA says that it's, you know, DBX or THX or Dolby you or know, anything else. No, no, no matter what you do, deal with in electronics these days, it always gets complicated, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You need people like us to sit down and, and read the fine print. Yeah. Uh, so that we know what, uh, what's what. Yeah. Oh, THX is a trademark sound system from Lucasfilm. Ah, I thought it. Yep, yep. As soon as you said Lucas, that sounded theater to me. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, I am starting to get hungry, Todd. But we're not done. We have more stories. (laughs) What haven't we talked about? Uh, let's see. Oh, Facebook apparently has uh, 
paid for some uh, some studies, and if the studies comes back and makes Facebook look bad, then they bury the study. That's right. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, I mean, honestly, does that surprise anybody? I think most companies, if you paid for the study and it came back and made you look bad, you'd go, okay, we're not publishing that study. So, That's right. You know. Yeah. That doesn't actually surprise me at all. In fact, it, you could even argue that it would be a fiduciary responsibility of the company to do that, right? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. And of course, of course, they will look into fixing the problem, whatever it is. You know? Yeah, it's like, they yeah, can. this looked. They'll look at it and they'll say, "Well, does, is this going to cost us more than than the bad press is worth?" You know, so they'll balance yeah. that, right? Yeah. Let me throw out a, a, a new rumor here. Apple's reportedly releasing a redesigned, more powerful Mac Mini this fall. Yeah, and I don't even think that's a rumor. I think that's a given based on what they've done with their Mac Mini so far. In that, yeah. When they introduced the new Mac Mini with the uh, M1 chip in it, they continue to sell the higher-end, more expensive Mac Minis with Intels in them right now. So... Yeah. This new one, whatever it is, is going to replace those higher-end ones. I think that's an absolute given. Yep. So the yep. question is, when they say redesigned, how much redesign is going to go into that? You know, how, how different is it going to be? And from what I'm seeing on their guesstimations here, not a lot. It's going to look yep. like the same little aluminum block. They're saying that the top is going to have a, you know, like a plastic top on it. Um, which makes sense in that they want to have somewhere where the um, radios can get out. You know, if you have a completely aluminum block, then it's it's cutting down on, on wireless connectivity quite a bit. Um, right. But I know that there are a lot of uh, server farms that use Mac minis as servers, and they've actually put pressure on Apple to not change the form factor because they have racks designed to hold you know, inch and a half thick, well, I don't know how wide they are, six and a half by six and a half square aluminum computers. <laughs> and so they've sort of said, don't mess that up too much. Yeah. You know, because there was rumor that Apple was going to redesign the Mini and make it look more like an Apple TV, like a tiny little, you know, like a four by four block. Yeah. And, uh, which they certainly could. Uh, and maybe they will. But uh, I think that, there's a good reason for them not to for a lot for a lot of their customers you know they look at who's been buying the mac mini you notice that they also kind of uh, a while the last update before the m1 they kind of went away from hey this is the cheap computer that you can buy and add your own screen keyboard and mouse to for yeah. homes and they said no this is actually a pretty high powered computer that you can you know buy to do things like sit in servers and do other things like that. they re they kind of retargeted their market with that last round after looking yeah. at who was actually buying the thing. Yeah. For well, homes, people tend to buy iMacs, I think. Probably. Probably most of them do. But I happen to have a mini here and, and I've <laughs> Me thought too. about up, updating it uh, and uh, but then I'm asking myself, you know, will I use the dang thing? Because uh -huh. I find my, you know, right now it's buried behind a pile of stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. See, I use my mini every day. It's my Mac. Table. My Mac table. Mini is the computer I'm working on right now. I'm recording this show on a Mac Mini, but my Mac Mini 
excuse me, was the last version that came out prior to the M1, or I guess it's the current version, but it was fully upgraded to the the most powerful processor you could get in it, which was the i7 at the time. And uh, I bought it, I think, with 16 gig of memory and two terabytes of storage. And I did that because the only thing you can upgrade on it is memory. And so then I went and bought third-party memory and upgraded it to the max of 64 gigabytes of memory. So I'm sitting here with a Mac Mini with an i7 and 64 gig of memory, and I've got probably 20 different tabs open on my browser. I've got two different recording apps running, Skype running, and iMessage running, and I'm barely pushing the CPUs at all because I've got uh, a little monitor running on that too to see what they're doing, and, and... you know, my peak load gets high every once in a while. Well, you see, one of the things I would really like to do is to use the memory that I plugged into my Mini. I've got, you know, 64 gigs sitting in my Mini, but the Mini right. is so old now that it won't run the latest software. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, and and if you got one of the, I mean, I don't know if they're compatible, the version, if the software is the, or the memory is the same type of memory. You have to check on that. But what year is yours? Yours is like a 2012? I think so, something like that. Yeah. So, because uh, I've got uh, a couple 2012 Mac Minis, two older ones that I, they sit and run the older version of software, but they they act as just a server. Like one of them's a backup server and one of them's a media server. Yeah. So, which is what this one that I'm currently using will ultimately be so that it can run current software because I'm not keen on leaving servers running with software that's not getting updates. Um, and then I'll replace this one with an Intel or with a uh, non-Intel based Mac mini at some point, you know, and I was thinking about it, you know, it's like the current M1 mini maxes out at 16 gig of memory. And I'm thinking, well, was 16 gigabytes of memory enough? And part of me said, probably not given the way I use this, but it may not matter at all because the way that works with the unified memory architecture I don't know that I would know if it was paging memory out to its storage memory and back if it needed to, because it goes so fast at doing that that it's sort of irrelevant. Yeah. You know, I think that maybe that's that's a significant part of the new memory, which is whether M1X or we, we I think it would be a 2, M2. But anyway, yeah. it'll, it'll, uh, it'll have a bigger memory, I think. I agree. It's going to support more ports. Um, which I was looking at the, the the ports on the current mini and looking at how I'm using my mini and if I plug the new you know if I were to get an M M1 mini right now and plug it in, it would work. So my question for myself is is even if there's an M2 mini, do I really need that mini versus the M1 mini? You know, my only question would be like they're probably with the M2 also going to give you more processing units and things like that that'll make it you know a faster better computer. Yeah, well, the, the the main thing in terms of ports is I, I want to keep some backward compatibility in terms of, uh, 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 dang, my memory's not good anymore, uh, USB, but I mm-hmm. but I want the real high-speed stuff, too. Right. Right. So. Yeah. Well, the, the, the new Mac Mini has... Um, uh, has uh let's see what is it i'm I'm looking at right here so it has uh 
Thunderbolt 3 digital video out over USB-C. Um, so it has two USB 4 ports which support Thunderbolt 3 or whatever. And then they have two USB-A ports. And the USB-A ports are also support USB 3 standard. So they're both rel- of the same speed in terms of USB functionality. The USB yeah. 4 ports are faster if you use them as Thunderbolt, if you have a Thunderbolt device. And then they right. have it has a single HDMI. So it has two USB-Cs, two USB-As, and an HDMI on the back of it, as well as an Ethernet. Yeah. And a headphone jack. So that's what's on the back of the current one. Now, rumor has it that the new one is going to change the two USB-Cs to four USB-Cs, still going to keep two USB-As, and an HDMI. So you'll pick up two extra ports plus whatever additional memory and processor functionality that you're going to get. That's the rumor. But I think to say that they're going to have a an upgraded version of the Mini is not a rumor at all. That's a, that's a, a count on it. Yeah. Well, that's a hope is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's a count on it. Otherwise, they wouldn't have kept the Intel, the upscaled Intel machines around if they had, you know, they recognize that the one that they put out is not the answer for everything for everybody, that they need to have one that does more. And that's why they kept the Intel one there. But you know they're not going to keep the Intel ones around for a long period of time. Right. Yep. And in fact, uh, uh, the Intel folks... Uh, really know that, so they're trying to figure out what it is that they can do to uh, to move along as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and I'm not sure what their answer will be, but clearly they've got to have a much more robust uh, processor. Right. You know how how do you move something like the uh, what what how do we refer to that as the 86? 96. Yeah, I think most of them just call it the Intel standard now. But yeah, it's the old 8086 yeah, I, one of those. instruction set, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of, one part of it going faster is improving the instruction set, though, too. So that, that's, that's, uh, right. that's the, the log that's held them back for so many years. Is yeah, well, it goes back to that, that RISC-SISC design process right. right right but you know this is always the dilemma for companies once you have something that's got so many people depending on you uh to change it uh scares the hell out of them and they're liable to jump ship and go somewhere else <laughs> yeah 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 if, if you change the intel uh standard or the intel architecture too much then it's not compatible with what was old and then people are going well if it's not compatible then why am i sticking with intel i can go with anybody right yeah, so they've got to they got to they got to keep that that uh, compatibility while they try to go in additional directions. I read something this week that they have a, uh, a I don't know if it's in process or proposed or whatever that they're going to do a hybrid system. So they'll have a chip that is uh, a standard Intel chip, but on the same die they will have a much lower power chip, and that they can switch back and forth between them. The question is, is does the lower power chip run that same instruction set or is it a separate one? And then you have to have a compiler that 
talks both, well, you know? Yeah, well, well it, it, that's one approach. There's, there's another kind of a hybrid approach that sort of says that you will have certain instructions that can emulate the old set in a very efficient way. Right. So that so that, that old set gets a major upgrade in itself. Well, that's kind of what Apple has done, right, with their Rosetta? Yeah. Right. So uh, I, I think the Apple approach is, is the right answer. Yeah, well, clearly uh, it, 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 they can do it at a at a clip such that you can run Intel instruction sets on the Apple hardware and still be faster than the current Intel hardware, which is right. quite an indictment of, of, you know, Intel's approach. Absolutely. So, yeah. uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really a tough call, and, and somebody needs to do a whole lot of simulations going doing this and that where they can do those kind of evaluations and gather data to right. see what, what works. Well, uh, in fact, you know, if you were building, say you're Intel, and you build a brand-new uh, ARM competitor type of chip, right, you could build in hardware that Rosetta. So you could create that translation front end to it. Mm-hmm. So it would be even faster than if than, than running Rosetta as a software uh, translator. Yep. yep. And so you could yeah. basically say, yeah, keep running the old Intel instruction set, but behind that we're going to process things in a different way that's much, much faster. Well, you see, I sort of thought that in a way Apple probably did that uh, emulation of the, uh, of Intel? the Intel stuff, uh, uh, but they have to be careful what they do in terms of trademarks, you know? Right. They don't have right to the... That's why I was surprised they didn't maybe go buy AMD, but I think they found that they could do it. The way they did it, obviously, was fine. Yeah, but basically, uh, why not sell to the Intel market and take their business, you know? Uh-huh. Except that that's not what they do. But they could, you're right. They could turn around and say, hey, if if we can make enough of these chips that we can sell them to other people with, you know, to replace Intel chips. Yeah, Yeah. they could absolutely do that. Compete against the other uh, chip houses out there. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, And I would think that it might be worth doing because, you know, Microsoft's got a hell of a business there, and you could take a pretty big chunk of it. Yeah, you know? from the hardware side, absolutely. And, and that's got to cross their mind, and maybe they will do it yet somehow, but it just hasn't been released. Yeah, I, I, I don't think so. They tend to be more of a consumer products company. They don't sell, you know, I mean, they do a little bit. They've done that sort of with, you know, um, uh, CarPlay. But they don't tend to, you know, that's more of a software product. They don't, I've, I've, to, the, to my knowledge, they've not created or manufactured or had something manufactured that they then turn around and sell to other people other than uh, like lightning connectors, which are, you know, ties back yeah. to them. Um, just as an FYI, I, I went over and looked at the Mac Mini that they still sell that's an Intel-based Mac Mini, and the ports yeah. on the back of it are exactly what I described the advanced uh m2 mac mini would be which is exactly the same as the current one except that they add two more thunderbolt ports to it uh yeah 
So you right. So right now, uh, and I guess I could have turned around and looked at the mini that I've got sitting on the shelf behind me, but they've got uh, four USB-C ports, two USB-A ports, an HDMI port, an Ethernet port, and a headphone jack. And so, so instead of two USB-Cs, they have four. So that's, you know, but apparently the current M1 chip won't support that many ports. So. But, again, okay. M2, M2 can support whatever they decide they want to put into it, so we don't know what that is yet. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I lost one ear in terms of hearing. I don't know. I'm trying to get it back. Yeah. Well, now I think uh, having uh, added that conversation to it, we've sort of gone through pretty much everything. Uh, yeah. What was oh, this last article here? I got it back now. Oh, uh, there's a policy group that has asked Apple to drop plans to inspect iMessages and scan for images because they're worried about, you know, uh, security. But quite honestly, again, if people really look at what Apple said they're going to do, the only reason they would be scanning iMessages would be scanning children's iMessages, and only if that child was part of a iCloud family, and only if the parents in that family asked for it. So yeah, I, I don't I, I I think though that basically everybody understands that uh, photos is a pretty general media and the technology for doing this uh, uh, hack uh, that's not the hash is the word I want right this hash to compare is generally applicable to whatever you want to look for. Yeah, you can create a hash of any type of data and then compare it to hashes of other data to see if there's matches. That's yeah. nothing new. And, and that's what's got everybody concerned, you know. Right. In fact, Im- images of any type, whether they... Uh, I've thought about that they don't have to be uh, uh, actual photos even. They could be right out of a camera, you know. How, how about all these cameras that are posted all over the place and around the world, especially in China, you know, you, you, you get a picture of somebody's face and right. you want to track them. Uh, yeah. Chinese are already doing that. You know, that's, so that's what they, you do. They do it in London too. I suspect they probably do it here. Although yeah. there's, there's, some, we have some laws about, about, um, uh, you know, internal, uh, investigations you know our cia can't do it but the fbi can and they're supposed to have a uh um a warrant to do that they're not supposed to be able to just randomly scan pictures but but given some leaks that we've already heard about oh yeah like it's apparent that the people aren't following the law well and 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 there's nothing i'm talking i'm talking about our government agencies oh absolutely yeah but it's 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 not only government agencies. There's nothing saying that individuals can't do it. Like they uh, not too long ago, they announced that there was a guy who had a restraining order uh, for a musician who showed up at one of her concerts, and they identified him because they set up cameras at all of her concerts, and they found him coming in, and so they went and found him and turned him into the police and said, "You can't be here." Yeah, you know, and. That her security did that for her. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's commercially available stuff. It's not that hard to do. 
You know, the facial recognition. And we know we they do it at airports. Yep. You know, airports, train stations, bus stations, those kind of things. They're, they've got cameras up. And, you know, that old, like on the movies of, of, you know, hey, show, you know, where's your security department? And you go find some guy sitting there eating donuts and coffee, you know, staring at a bunch of screens. That's not how it's done. No, no, no. <laughs> no, it's camera feeds plugged into a server somewhere, and that server is doing all the scanning. There's not some, yep. you know, Joe not Joe sitting in a in a security closet. That that that's uh, a Hollywood image. That's not. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that's the AIs for scanning that kind of stuff has been been around for a long time. That's nothing new. And again, that's different than scanning iMessages. iMessages, oh, yeah. there's iMessages. They're using an AI to scan, and that's very much like what they're doing at these at these concerts. The scanning of the iClouds, the comparing of hashes, is a separate thing. Right. You know, and so too much of this is getting blended in the media too, where where non technical reporters don't understand what they're talking about well well enough to explain it. Right. Yeah. You know, there are two separate issues going on here. Both of them should be discussed. But Apple, you know, made an announcement. And actually, they made a third one, too. But I think it's less of an issue. Um, but, yeah, you know, they, they they shot themselves in the foot by talking about all of it at the same time. But maybe they didn't. You know, they did it in August when there's not a lot of news on a Friday before everybody was going home is when Apple made the announcement. You can tell they were trying to yeah. bury this. And they did it before they have a whole bunch of new products announced, right? And yeah. before they and before they launched their new uh, software with those new products. So none of this goes into effect. But they didn't want all of this hullabaloo being what talk, people were talking about when they launched their new products and their new software. So let's talk about it now, get it out of the way, so that by the time they launch their new stuff, this will be old hat. Yeah. Yeah. And that way, the things that'll be in the news are, hey, look at all the new shiny stuff. So Apple's smart. Yeah. Their marketing people said, this is when we're going to do this. Let's announce that we know this is going to be an issue. People are going to be up in arms. Let's do this here. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway, um, speaking of uh, people not understanding what's being presented to them. I think uh, we have a crisis on our hands in terms of uh, our president right now. I, you know, I, I, you're, I really you're not the only one who said that. And, and surprisingly, some of the air quotes here, liberal media have actually come around to saying there's something really wrong going on here. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, CNN has, has even come back and said, yeah, yeah. This, 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 he's not behaving normal. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, well, he doesn't. He doesn't have the capacity to to remember. Well, so, that's the implication. Because, Either that, because, or he's just so used to lying that he can't re he can't remember which ones were lies and which ones were truths. The 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 key reason I I heard on television the other night from an extremely credible source, the guy that was the commander over mm -hmm. there just recently. Okay, he's retired now. Right. Uh, it was a colonel on television, and. He, t he was telling the, the real reason why he shouldn't have pulled out of there. And it has to do with the fact that we were able to have very one, uh, no people killed in the last 
I forget how many months it was, but the the Iraq uh, or the Afghanis were doing the fighting and doing a great job of it, but they were losing lives like crazy, and they made went had a heck of a sacrifice. But basically, the reason that they laid down their arms is they knew they could not do it without American support. And as soon as the decision was made that that contractors uh, and American contractors are needed over there as well, and we had about the minimum force that was necessary, but they were doing a hell of a job and keeping the Taliban that they, you know, under control. So there was a war going on that we weren't aware of, that surely our intelligence briefed to the president, but that if he understood that, if he was able to comprehend what this colonel said in in just a matter of minutes about what was really happening on the ground in terms of combat and, and our support role over there, he would never have done what he did. We walked out on people actively engaged in warfare and basically forced them to give up, to surrender. And every one of them knew they couldn't fight without the mm -hmm. Americans and the contractors. And the, we had to know that, too. Yeah, so, I mean, it's so, it's so, it's so clear we, we that turned, it was, but then it was he, known. But, but then the, the real thing that, that hit us over the head is two days ago, Biden said that those people uh, were cowards and, you know, when they, when they collapsed and wouldn't defend their country. He condemned them. The reason they couldn't defend their country is because without American support, they weren't going to win anyway. They were going to collapse, and so yeah. naturally they they just surrendered. So yeah. he, he forced them. He forced them into what happened. And if he yeah. hadn't been any smarts at all, put the pieces together and says, "God, we can't pull out because they're going to collapse. They won't even protect us. We can't get everybody out," which is exactly where we are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't I think I think it was a calculated uh, calculated. I think there are those who believe that it would happen but didn't believe it was going to happen as fast as it did. And so they thought, well, we'll be able to get out, but clearly there was no plan to get out quickly. And well, let, and let me, let and they were stunned. Then then after that, I I'm hearing from a, a four-star general that was Trump's guy over there and that Trump really wasn't going to go through with this either because it was already very apparent that we had minimum force there. We, yeah. we couldn't do it. And so, you know, may, maybe Biden can say he didn't get briefed on that, but uh, it was, that knowledge was, our government had that knowledge. I don't know where it was, but he should have, yeah. you know. So right up front, this thing was wacky and, and should never have gone forward. And the real question you have to ask yourself is, why is it that we still have troops in Germany and Pakistan and all, you know, you name it, whatever country is around the world? We, I don't think we know, have troops in Pakistan. Well, maybe not there. But as a, a but I understand where you're going. Places Japan. That, <laughs> and, and anyway, yeah. what, this has done, what this collapse has done is it's basically caused NATO to panic. NATO doesn't exist as far as they're concerned anymore. It's that serious. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, we something has to be done. And the, the thought yeah. is, is that may, maybe these guys in the White House surrounding Biden are just about to tell him, you're done, buddy. Uh, and 
Kamala's it, you know, whether she likes it or not, but she's going to get her chance. Yeah. Uh, I think as soon as she gets back from her trip, or maybe she'd be her, being hurried back, I don't know. But it's got to be imminent. He's got to go. Yeah. Well, I don't know how imminent it is, but it, I think it's 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 very scary in that the um, the those those who 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 would be who, who view themselves as in opposition to us certainly are looking at at the current president and saying with a little bit of pressure he's going to fold and get out of the way. So if there's places that we want to go and things we want to take, now's the time to do it. Okay, my, so. my lunch is ready. I anyway, heard that. You heard that, okay. <laughs> anyway, the ma- major NATO partners that we have are are, are already uh, figured that uh, they've got to take it, take it themselves. NATO is basically falling apart. Yeah. And that's serious. That's serious. Well, it, I, it is very serious. I'm not, I, I think you're reading a bit much into it in that extent, but I think they are certainly concerned and 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 justifiably afraid um, that yeah. that they have a partner who's not willing to step up and be a partner, and so we'll see. Because, um, because when they said that he wouldn't call them back, you know, for uh, at least a day in British case, I don't know how long. It was oh yeah, there was thirty six hours after the Brits reached out to us before he even picked up the phone to call him back. And it's like I I read one uh, one uh, pundit saying it's like well what what is he doing for thirty six hours? What how does he spend his days? What what is going on that he can't call back a close close ally when they call him and say hey we need to talk? Yeah, that's so, scary. Yeah, he, he he's he's done. I don't know how soon, but it's imminent. That's the way it is the impression I'm getting. From- yeah, I, I like I said, I'm not sure I agree that he's done, um, it, but you never know. I mean, things might shocking it, things have yeah. happened before. He could he could come on the air tomorrow and say, you know, I resign. <laughs> Who knows? It, yeah, you know. Well, it it, it, it we'll, we don't know until it happens. But uh, boy, the uh, yeah. But when you can't work with your allies that have people over there as well, yeah. and, the, and you put them in trouble like that, yeah. Apparently, he didn't consult the allies either. You know, no, he didn't. Was, yeah, was what he yeah. was doing. No, so it was just, I'm. I, you know, I, I clear, clearly that he he has created a, a problem of his own making, and and I, the only thing I have to say is I have concerns about if he steps down that now we have Kamala Harris president because I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. That, that she's the right person to be there right now either. But at least she seems to be able to hold a thought in her head while she's deciding on something and she can listen to her advisors well, and not forget what they said. Right, yeah. She, she, she doesn't have the problems that Biden has. His yeah. brain just isn't working. Right. Although I, I heard one pundit say that we shouldn't be surprised that these are the same, that this is the same Joe that he's always been. So, uh, okay, anyway, you got to wrap I can't it up. Carry on. Yep. Okay. All right. Thank you. Uh huh. Bye bye. Everybody. See you in a week.